Hello and welcome to another episode of the Creative Waffle Podcast. I'm your host Mark Hirons and today we're chatting to Laura from Niffy Fox Creative. Laura is a visual storyteller, a branding guru and a hand letterer, making the complex simple and the boring engaging. In this episode Laura shares her incredible story of using the power of design to help recover from glandular fever and anorexia. I really really enjoyed this episode and talking to Laura got me inspired. So I hope it inspires you guys out there too. Without further ado, this is my chat with Laura from Niffy Fox Creative. Thanks, man. I'm so excited. Like, honestly, it's been a bit of a dream for, like, the last year to get on it. And, uh, I think I've done a stalking of you and, like, physically battering you in person. So, here we are. <laughs> That's good. That's good. So, where, where do you want to start? Do you want to start with your story? Yeah, what do you want to know? So, where, where did you grow up? And uh, okay, yeah. were your parents, like, were they creative? And we'll start from there. Okay. So, um, I live in Sheffield now. Um, but I was born and raised in Birmingham. Um, so to all my brummy brethren out there, rock on. Um, yeah, so my mum and dad, I wouldn't say they were like overly creative people. My, my dad's more of a sportsman, really. Um, my mum was actually going to train to be a graphic designer and then had a massive career change. and was like, no, I'm going to be a nurse about 16, 17. So I suppose my creative streak comes from my mum, really. Cause she's very, just very good with her hands, sews a lot make stuff and you know those like christmas grottos you used to go to as a kid mm. um like school she would be the designer of all of those for like every single school like christmas event so i kind of grew up around that that creativity and my um my granddad was a sign writer in birmingham which i kind of found out like really recently and obviously he's passed away now and i thought how did i not know that that would have been really good to know and yeah my granddad on my mum's side uh, he was always woodworking and making stuff. So I guess actually kind of through sort of osmosis, those things kind of rub off. And art was always something we did as kids to kind of just chill out really and keep us entertained during some holidays. So I guess that's kind of where and how creativity was important as a kid to me. And then even kind of really geeky stuff, like I'm a massive Dungeons and Dragons fan which might not sound like a creative pursuit, but my God, when you're painting miniatures and creating maps and like scenery and stuff, I remember doing that, you know, back right when I was like 11. So that's, and I still do it now at 29. Rock on. That, that kind of storytelling, being creative, creating characters, creating a whole new world. That's something I've always done with my brothers really. So that was kind of an important part of how I expressed myself as a kid. So I guess, that's why through a weird winding road I now do what I do but it took me a while to kind of come to that I didn't do a degree in graphic design I did design as an A-level and then actually started a product design course at Loughborough Uni um, but decided after about three months it just wasn't for me at all I wasn't ready psychologically for uni I was really really academic and I think I kind of fell foul to the pressure of feeling like I had to do something more academic, which is just bollocks, really, because product designers and graphic designers are some of the most intelligent people I know. So I left there and then did um, a degree in sociology at Warwick and did a social research master's. So that kind of understanding what makes people tick has always been a backbone of what I do. And I really enjoyed that side of it, of understanding kind of consumer behaviour. Um, I was really interested in subculture and how the class system and different ethnicities appropriate different design styles and like fashion styles to represent themselves. 
so that was something I was always interested in and again kind of after uni I then just worked at universities in research so I did a lot of sort of project management stuff research design just management stuff I mean I loved the people I worked with but I was bored to tears and I always found that I tried to bring marketing and design to whatever I was doing and that kind of became a bigger and bigger part of my job but it was never explicitly my job and I kind of was thirsting for more of that mm. so I started a blog when so I suffered from anorexia and to overcome that I started to write a blog about tea and it was then that I really thought actually there's kind of an entrepreneurial spirit in there that I can draw on and the design side of like making a, a website and my logo and doing promo for stuff I was doing and I thought actually I really I really fancy this is so much more interesting than my actual job that's a bit worrying and when I was doing that when I was at work and I really shouldn't be I hope none of my ex-employers are watching this but I, I realized that mm, there's something in this and then as you know and my followers will know I had the unfortunate experience with glandular fever and then chronic fatigue syndrome and actually like lost my job which was really like like sorry for swearing but fucking shit at 26 absolutely um, and it was then I thought, what am I doing with my life? I'm just doing something that I absolutely like hate. Um, so it was kind of design and creativity and hand lettering and you know following Draplin and seeing all this cool stuff out there on Instagram and what designers were doing that I thought, yeah, well, I want a bit of that. And that, that's how Nifty Fox started really, was me sort of going, I can't sit here hating my life anymore. I need to go out there and do something to recover. And it was sort of that passion and that drive to become a designer um, and work with clients who, you know, want to tell their story, but might not have the words or the capacity to do it in the right way. And kind of molding my research skills with my design skills together to do that for, for people that I actually believe in what they're doing. So that's sort of a very long winded answer to a very short question, which was, where did you grow up? What happened? But that's kind of the weaving story where Nifty Fox started, really. Um, yeah, that's what I was going to take. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Um, so, you sort of, sort of let's, take, let's take it back to sort of school and stuff and then mm -hmm. A levels. We'll just dissect it now. What, what did you find like A level graphic design like? I enjoyed it. It was it was a weird mix of it was called something like a stupidly long name to make it sound more important than it was, but it was called graphic design with resistant materials, which was basically product design and graphic design rammed together in a big design sandwich that didn't really work. But I always loved the the presentation of my like prototypes and how it, it looked on paper. Not as bothered about actually making the product, which I probably could have delved into a bit more before I applied to uni to do product design. But it was good. I mean... The college I went to was really geared up for it, amazing like workshops, Mac suites, and this was back in like 2007, so that so kind of thing wasn't really a thing. But it was it was an interesting experience. I I don't I don't regret having the product side bit to it, despite that I didn't enjoy it, because it gives you a real insight as a designer into what form and function thing products have to work first before you can make them look nice and I'm sure a lot of product designers are probably shoot me for saying that but if it doesn't work there's no point in the product and that that was an interesting insight um and I learned a lot of the science behind how products work and I learned a lot about electronics which kind of comes in handy when my Mac breaks um but the, the graphic design side was just the fun bit really and like learning how to use back in the day it was Coral Draw and Quark Express 
See, we still um, we, just, we still do coral draw as well. I'm like, really? It's hideous. I think we just uh, maybe the college just thought, well, it does the job. We can't afford to upgrade it. It's such a shame. Um, but, but with Apple, I mean, I mean, with Adobe Creative Cloud subscription now, they get a massive discount. So I don't get why. They actually, um, they actually had. I remember now. They actually had Photoshop and, and uh, Illustrator. They, they, they were teaching. Probably newfangled then, weren't they? So yeah. <laughs> something about it wasn't it maybe the teachers just didn't know didn't know illustrator i don't know yeah i mean all all my teachers were, were woodworkers and metal workers that were kind of doing this new thing that they yeah. didn't really didn't really want to do bless them they did their best paul and mal i remember them very well but <laughs> yeah it was it was I, I enjoyed it i don't think i think if i studied it now it would be a different totally different curriculum yeah and like, don't forget that was a time when social media was still in its burgeoning young phase so um like it's mad isn't it really that yeah i'm kind of that of that kind of age where social media was something i remember from my late teen years but before that it was a wasteland so uh yeah that was product design and graphic design slash resistant materials so at uni what was the what was the thing that made you click and realize you didn't want to do it there was one moment when i was sat working on a design for a torch um the sexy products that they are got chatting to some sociology students and i thought wow what they're doing sounds really interesting because i did it at a level and loved it and did really well at it and i just thought i started reading their sociology books and then started missing my deadlines because i had my head stuck in all these sociology books and i thought at that point um i wasn't really enjoying i went to loughborough initially i wasn't really enjoying the whole lads 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 sports 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 side of loughborough which is totally cool if that's what you're into. But for me, it was just a bit, it's not me really. I'm a bit more introverted and I'm not massively, I don't drink. So that was a big thing at Loughborough at the time. So I think it was a combination of this isn't the right course for me because I'm obviously studying other things that are more interesting to me. Plus, I didn't like the place. Um, plus, I think I had this internal pressure that I should be doing something that I perceived at the time as more academic. Yeah. Um, because I was a straight A student and I had a lot of pressure from the college to like apply to Oxbridge and stuff, um, which wasn't what I wanted to do. I think part of that kind of got to me. And I think if I went back, I would study design, like graphic design, but I'd want like a marketing element to that. Because I think as a designer, you need to be so many different things. Mm. You can't just produce great work. You need to be a business person as well. And I think that's what I've really valued about coming to it later on in you know, I'm not old, but later on in my career is that I've had that business experience and that experience of running projects and managing budgets and working with clients and that has made this process a little less overwhelming. So it gives me more time to actually invest in my design skills. Mm. Um, but yeah, that's that was kind of the, the catalyst for me going, no, I've got to leave here, which is realising that I wasn't invested in the place or the course on any level. So, so like moving on to the the job sort of stuff and getting stuck in a place where you didn't really want to be. What is that like on a day to day? Like going there knowing you don't want to be there. I think for a long time I just blocked it out. I thought that's how everybody felt about work. Right. Nobody likes work, do they? Like you just go and put up with it. Yeah. Um, and then I just found like I was doing more stuff outside of work that fulfilled me. Like at the time, I was really into like powerlifting and CrossFit and stuff. Yeah. So I spent a lot of time doing that. And then my blogging was taking up a lot of my time and I absolutely loved doing it. Um, 
and yeah, sadly, I got really into Magic the Gathering. I don't know if you know Magic the Gathering, the card game, but I was playing a lot of that in tournaments and stuff. And I thought, you know, I can't be, be asked to go to work at half eight in the morning. And I can't be like, I'm just, I'm so excited to leave at half four. And that's, that's the only time I'll think about work. I just, there was just something very wrong in my life. I wouldn't say, you know, I was good at what I did. And, you know, I moved at the ranks quite quickly and I did good work. Mm. But to, to feel like you're putting all your effort into something that doesn't fulfill you, which leaves you a bit hollow, really, and leaves you trying to fill that gap with something else that I never quite found. And it's only when I started to kind of, God, this is getting a bit existential, but it's only when I started to tap into my creativity that I realised, ah, shit, this is the thing I was meant to be doing. This is the thing that, that you know, turns me on and gets me up in the morning is, well, in simplest terms, designing shit for people that makes other people happy. And it's that, it's almost a design is a way and a catalyst for me to get to kind of giving other people a voice and helping people share their awesome stuff that they're doing through, you know, the design is just the thing that helps them do that. But it's that that gets me up in the morning is knowing that I can make a difference to somebody's business or somebody's research or somebody's, you know, strategy session. Um, just through the fact that I can draw a bit. It's just awesome. So yeah, it felt pretty crap to plod through a job that didn't really fulfil me. But it's helped me, when you know what you don't want, it means you've got so many more options to know what you do want. So that was really cool. Were you looking at other designers and stuff along the the side of this? Or were you just in a job and just head down sort of thing? Were you looking at, were you being like creative on the side or or not? Yeah, the answer I want to give you is like, yeah, totally. I've been following (laughs) Rackman for years and I'm totally in the design team. And the brutal honest answer is no. I think I was just trying to find things that I could get passionate about and enjoy. Um, you, you know, I'd do things like I was I'm a guitarist. I play guitar pretty intensively for a few years and then I'd move on to something else. Mm. So there were always creative things, but I never, I felt like I was searching for something. And it was only really, yeah, as I say, when I was kind of probably when I was like recovering from anorexia I picked up a calligraphy pen for the first time and I thought oh this is fun this is good and that was probably about four years ago and then when I obviously had loads of time on my hands stuck in bed not moving a lot that's when I started to get more into kind of hand lettering and stuff it's just something to take my mind off how shit I felt and the fact that I had no idea where my life was going and it was then kind of it was Ian Barnard stuff actually that I saw on Instagram and I was like oh he's cool like I like yeah I really like what he does I can do that I can learn how to do that and then that kind of opened me up to a whole new world of logo design and kind of the whole like computer arts magazine and it just kind of started to broaden my horizons and made me reconnect the dots between ah that's why I used to like sketch like skateboard logos when I was like 10 and then that's why I really enjoyed that part of my graphic design thing at a level it was actually the presenting and how it looked on the page and the logo that i came up with and the brand system that i came up with and then oh that's why i enjoy knowing what makes people tick so that i can design stuff to make these people tick to then market it to them and that's why i enjoyed the marketing side of my job because it was again in simple terms putting you know getting a message across in a way that looks incredible in a way that resonates with the right people and sounds right and it was kind of just everything came together and when nifty fox was born it was sort of the the sort of realization of all these things that had made me tick but i just never joined the dots um so i don't know if that answers your question but i think <laughs> sorry to keep taking it back but so no, that's good. It's good. It's good. i'm trying to get a good understanding of everything so when, when you were you know you were ill and had anorexia mm. and kind of fever and so 
when was that like before you before you finished the, the job you didn't like yeah so i kind of realized like i had a problem with eating like i never threw up it wasn't bulimia or anything like that as i said i was super into crossfit and really fit uh well i thought i was um and it was over exercise so but i used exercise as a way to feel a in control because i hated my job um and b to just stop me being bored i was so bored in my job that i didn't have any goals that motivated me and i'm a bit of a i'm very, I'm a very driven person so it was sort of a combination of that and kind of like food has always been a bit of an issue in like past relationships that have been abusive um, I sound like a right fuck up, don't I? But um, like, but no, yeah. So that was it. Was kind of like an amalgamation of things. I think the stress of moving from Birmingham to Sheffield to be with my partner. Yeah. I think I just used exercise and stuff as a means of control. So, yeah, that was probably uh, that was probably about four years ago that I realised mm, this isn't right because people came up to me and said, "You look so ill. We're worried that you have cancer." <laughs> And like, no, I'm just really thin because I'm not eating enough and I'm exercising way too much. So that was a journey to kind of recover yep. from there. So that was three years ago, four years ago. And then because my body was so depleted as I was, so I realised I had a problem, started to eat and exercise less and get myself in order. And then because my body was just so knackered and depleted, that's why glandular fever took hold and absolutely wiped me out. So that was two and a half years ago and then it's probably it's taken me a good two years to get to the point where I'd probably say I'm about 85-90% recovered. Yeah it's a, it's a real it's a humbling experience it absolutely stripped away everything I thought was important in life and ripped me a new one essentially. <laughs> um, so you're completely, yeah. like, like completely stuck for like two, two years you say? I just yeah so I was in bed for six months like literally my mum had to wash me Jesus. um yeah points my dad has to wash me and no dad should have to wash their 26 year old daughter but uh yeah it was really tough and then I decided the doctors couldn't were just shit to be honest I'm not knocking the NHS my mum's a nurse they're great but with stuff that's kind of viral but then's actually a lifestyle problem and, and a bit mental at the same time um they're not great so i just took matters into my own hands got a nutritionist went on a mindfulness course uh, sorted my diet out sorted my mental health out and decided that i wasn't going to let this beat me and then just slowly but surely just kind of built myself up to the point where i've just bought a bike so i'm cycling loads um and today like i've probably walked about five miles i've been for a swim uh, yeah so it you know it's, it's up and down and stuff stuff still hits me sometimes but you know if it wasn't if it wasn't for that stuff happening to me i wouldn't be where i am now so you can't really to get through six months of sitting in bed and, and you know to get through that and come to where you are that's incredible like mental strength and physical strength obviously obviously as well um, but that's nice of me to say i think if it happens to anybody i had to break first before i could build strength so right just yeah that was that's you know there were times when I just didn't want to be here anymore which was horrible um but you have to get that low to realize what you're made of so it's definitely made me a stronger person and I think it makes me a better designer actually because it gives me an empathy with people that might be a little bit more deep and authentic than some people that might not have been through those things but in a weird way glad it happened it was shit but you've got to get on with it haven't you really so uh yeah I love your I love your mentality and attitude to that. I think, yeah. So we met up at Birmingham Design Festival, and we were talking about 
what you watched and how you got found a graphic design while you're sitting there on bed and how you learned graphic design and lettering and everything. So you you said Aaron Draplin in Barnard. Is there anyone else, any other videos and stuff you that really inspired you and got you going? Um yeah, uh Chris Doe, uh, the future or the future or how you pronounce it, that was really good for kind of the entrepreneur of design and mindset stuff weirdly his mindset and attitude stuff really helped me with my recovery um, and just that belief and the way he approaches uh, money was really interesting to me and something that I try and do with my clients so like value-based pricing for the skill side that I was learning like anything that Draplin pumped out on Skillshare was incredible any literally anything on Skillshare he was good on there, like John Contino and his like packaging design one. Another guy who's Rogers on Instagram, but I can't remember his actual name. Probably F Rogers or something, but he's a really good sign painter and letterer and his, his stuff on Skillshare is really good. Weirdly, Simon Sinek, who is like a storyteller, he his stuff's great um, and really helped me with sort of presentations and pitching. And then any any Adobe Illustrator tutorial that I could get my hands on. I mean, I've never, ever touched Adobe Illustrator until about a year and a half ago. Please don't tell my clients that. But yeah, because I knew Photoshop a bit um, and I knew InDesign a bit. Illustrator and Vectors were a totally new world that Mr. Draplin kind of invited me into. So yeah, and I just kind of devoured anything from like Creative Block, the, the blog, yeah. um, bought a lot of computer arts magazines. And for the lettering side of things, just a lot of books and a lot of practice. And I, I wish I practiced more now, actually. And I should practice more now because because of the client work that I do. I kind of feel like you get better at it through just doing it for work. But it, it's nice to take a step back and do different styles and just re just go over the alphabets again. Because sometimes if you're not using a particular style for a while, you forget a little bit. So I think building that time in. Who else? And Instagram. Instagram was great. Um, and seeing what you were doing with your page and the podcast, you know, and what Logo Geek and Ian were doing, and just kind of drip feeding all of that inspiration. I think I used to spend hours and hours and hours on Instagram, just bookmarking stuff that I like the look of, learning through sort of osmosis, really, and learning through just surrounding myself with it and reading about it and being in it. If I was to give any advice to somebody that wants to get into design or is aspiring to be a designer, it's just surround yourself with it and be immersed in it. Um, and don't be intimidated by knowing all the names and knowing all of the new hip and cool people that you need to know. Just find something that you love and just learn as much as you can about it and absolutely dive in. And I think, yeah, if, if I could thank like two people in my recovery and journey, it would be Draplin and ian barnard because i just loved his work and thought his youtube videos were great and a really good introduction oh, that's nice yeah fast <laughs> forward to that no meeting him and uh, in person after after watching him so much in line and him in a way teaching you all this stuff and, it, and him not knowing about it and then you, you telling him about it in person what was it like for you i think i had a combination of shit myself <laughs> couldn't believe it and was so overwhelmed and was really excited at the same time which is a really hard emotion to kind of get your hands on when you've got two minutes in front of this beautiful bearded god to try and sort of tell him your story um it was it was insane honestly it was since i was shaking with nerves but excitement and happiness and he was just so humble and so lovable and so gracious and i thought you know this guy is earning mega books has got loads of people that want a piece of him 
but in that five minutes he made me feel like the center of his world and I thought he must pull women like that with that <laughs> honestly um it, it was just surreal it was really surreal to think that two years prior I was sat propped up in bed like watching 10 minutes of his stuff at a time because that's all I could manage to being stood in front of this man saying I have a business because of you um and you're you know you just inspired me to believe that I could do it and you made it look so easy and I'm not saying it is easy but it makes it seem so accessible and something that you can totally achieve that it's just infectious so it was it was weird I, I think I both like tried to hug him and kiss him at the same time it was really awkward and then it was fine um and yeah to like see him the next day at the, the workshop which I wasn't expecting to get a ticket to and him like remembering my name and knowing my story and liking the work that I'd done and having my stickers in his field notes it was a bit of a mind fuck really it was a bit like what how is this happening like why is this happening to me this is insane so it was ace and I think I was just so touched by yeah just how humble he was and how much of a I feel like I could have gone down the pub with him and had a pint and it would have been totally fine um yeah just just surreal loved it I'd want to do it again and yeah like you I have a shrine in my office of all of my signed stuff and a picture of me and him hugging and stuff so yeah, it was a surreal experience and if, you know, if I can, if I ever get that famous or big or, you know, for whatever level I get to, if I can make the people that talk to me feel like that, then I'll have done a good job because he, he just, he made me feel really special. So, yeah, really, really top experience. Amazing. No, that's great. Uh, so, you now, forward, fast forward to now, mm. um, you're doing hand lettering mainly, a bit of branding. It, it's kind of... It's mad. So I do, I do do a lot of branding, probably more than I let on on Instagram because, I mean, I love branding, but the thing that I most love about it is kind of my sort of unique selling point is my ability as a storyteller. Mm. So I enjoy helping brands tell their story. Um, and I, and I, love, I love logo design. I think it's fascinating at the amount of meaning and kind of semiotics you can get behind a simple logo mark. I think it's just like awesome. So I do do a lot of branding. Um, I do a lot of hand lettering. So that's both kind of for corporate clients, for murals and um, like live scribing. So, but the common thread throughout all of that is helping people understand who they are, understand who their clients are and how to win the hearts and minds of their audience so that they can get more of the work and do more of the stuff that they love. But yeah, and I was also saying about chalkboards are a big part of what I do. Um, and as I said, it was just because I needed a quick cash at the time because I was waiting for these big corporate client clients to kind of go through the finance system that takes forever. Um, and yeah, so that started as just something I fancied doing. I thought that's a quick way to make money. But it's ended up being a big chunk of my work that's led on to bigger corporate clients that have seen stuff I've done for the cafe down the road and thought, oh, I'd like that on my walls. So yeah, that's what I'm doing now um, and kind of creating partnerships with other local uh, businesses. So I was talking about a partnership with Anchor and Dash, who are a social media consultancy um, and also working with a lot of the local charities and cafes and kind of community organisations because I think it's important to bring all of these people together so that we can create a, a community that cares and design that's got a bit of ethics and um heart behind it not saying that it doesn't anyway but i think more. No, i think you're absolutely right yeah i think if, if you can also 
because it's so it's so digital these days everything can be done on email it's nice mm. to have that face-to-face and that actual local interaction with, with your clients and with people around you yeah just the last few questions to ask everyone really first of all where, where do you want to take it like where, where, where do you want to take nifty fox and how big do you want to grow it oh good question probably something i should actually think about in my own business planning um i would love to create nifty foxes more than me so i'd love to be working with a group of people that specialize in the different sections of visual storytelling that i do so i'd love to have you know a brand specialist i'd love to have somebody that is totally all about like live scribing and visual storytelling for corporate clients i'd love to have somebody that's like an amazing illustrator that can do incredible murals so i think i think that's where i'd like to go because you know if you want to go fast go on your own if you want to go far go together so i think getting a night a good team of people and i'd love i'd love to work with some bigger charities actually like oxfam or the nspcc or like macmillan cancer research and i'd also love to work with more apparel brands actually because i've looked i've just done some work with uh, awol mountainwear and we're launching a range of my hand lettered t-shirts with their uh support um that comes out tomorrow so that's my shameless plug but um but actually it won't matter because this podcast will go out at a different time out now but i've loved to, to see my designs on on more stuff would be cool in that kind of drappling merch style of thing um i'd love to do more of that and i'm a bit of a an inner well, an outward nerd. Um, I'd love to do something Dungeons and Dragons related, but I don't know what that looks like. I don't know, maybe like a do all the hand lettering for one of their rule books or something. I don't know. So because Nifty Fox started so organically, I know that it shifts. So what I think now about where I want to go, uh, and Chris Doe would probably shoot me for saying this, but I'm kind of letting it, seeing where it takes me. I mean, the whole visual storytelling live scribing of meetings and capturing ideas live is something that's very new for my business but it kind of grew out of what my clients wanted um, and I'm really enjoying that so I think I'm quite open to where I go I know how I want to feel and this does sound a bit yogi crazy this now um, and I want to be passionate about the people that I work with and I want to feel like I'm making a difference with the design that I'm doing um, and I'm sure all designers feel like that, but I'm, I'm not necessarily about making a million dollars, although that would be fabulous. And, you know, you've got to earn money and put money on the table and put food on the table. I, d- I just want to feel so excited about what I do every morning and almost not know where it's going next because it keeps me interested and keeps me driven. So I guess that's where I want to take it. And to what be sat at a design festival like Creative Sound, uh, Birmingham Design Festival, and be able to be stood up and doing a talk, that would be it. I'd love that. Yeah, that'd be, that's, that's it. Do you reckon you'll be all right with the uh, the crowd and the audience? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I love getting up in front of people and talking shit for an hour. Yeah, I just think that'd be so much fun to share my journey and if I can help one person yeah. kind of have that be. Especially, especially for women in design as well. I think I found that at the Birmingham Design Festival. I was like, shit, there's a lot of guys here. And I hadn't really thought about that before because that was the first time that I'd mixed with designers, really. And I think to kind of... I suppose, yeah, a, a kind of ambition of mine would be like people, like people like Paula Scher really inspire me, and kind of some of the people, some of the women you've had on your podcast have been incredible. And I just think if I can be a bit of a beacon of hope to a a girl somewhere who thinks oh, I can't do this, 
and I just think you know what there's, there's an absolute powerhouse of female designers out there that are just absolutely rocking it where did Nifty Fox come from where did the name come from because I, I saw it on your website but like what's the actual I story? knew this is coming yeah <laughs> and I was dreading to give you an answer I'll give you the marketing spin first and I'll tell you the truth afterwards okay, okay. the marketing spin is that foxes are cunning and thoughtful and um take their time to reach their prey um which is very much the way i approach understanding my customer and their customers and clients in the story so that was the fox that's the fox part and then the nifty was because it's something that you not don't quite expect so i like to bring that fresh approach to what i do so there's a calculated cunning side and there's also something pretty nifty which is useful and fun and great but a bit different than what you're expecting so that's uh, the bullshit that I normally feed people. The real answer is I was sat in a pub and had a list of names in front of me and my spirit animal is a giraffe. But that's a shit name for anything, so I couldn't call it something giraffe. Hey, there's and a restaurant named giraffe. Is there a giraffe? That's a giraffe then. Giraffe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, giraffe, giraffe, exactly. Tell, tell where I'm from with that. And I just had a list of like, like animals in front of me because yeah. owl is another animal I like. Uh, I mean, I've got an owl sat right next to me. Um, but I thought, no, there's loads of people out there called like sexy owl or whatever. Um, and I just saw Fox and I thought, okay, Fox, I like the, the cycle brand. Um, I like the animal. Okay, I can get on board with that. And then my other half just said, oh, what about Nifty? Nifty Fox. And it just stuck. Um, so there's a reality. It was completely random. I had no thought behind it whatsoever. Nice, nice. Yeah. Well, that's the same with Blue Deer. I mean, like, yeah, where did yours come from? Because that's not exactly. I say it just popped up one day, and I'm I'm trying I keep trying to think of like a marketing spin of it, but yeah. I just can't. <laughs> like, I, think, I mean, like maybe blue is calm, so you have a calm and collected approach to what you do. But like deer, majestic, beautiful animals that again are calculated with their prey and makes thoughtful But I feel it's just too bullshitty for me. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I'm not afraid to splurge some bullshit sometimes, but. Yeah, I, I tend to tell people the honest truth, which was that they just seemed to fit and it seemed good. <laughs> what's, uh, what's the best bit of design advice you give to someone? Because you thought you've given a bit of design, design advice already. If, you, if it's that, get yourself in it and, and surround yourself around it. But if there's another one, what's, what's a bit of advice? Um, it would be brutal. Don't be afraid to fuck up. Like, don't be afraid to just design something and see what happens. I think... I would have improved so much faster if I focused less on being perfect and it being good and more on the process and learning and give, give, you, give yourself permission to fail. And the moment you take away that expectation of this must be something that millions of people like on Instagram uh, is the moment you actually start to, be, to get better and to give yourself that creative freedom to do something. So, I mean, that would be, I mean, that's a piece of advice I need to take now, even still, and I guess most designers do. But yeah, just give yourself permission to be shit and keep working at it. So I guess that's the other thing is consistency, isn't it? Just keep practicing, keep going and believe that you can do it. And don't be intimidated by people that have lots of Instagram followers. Because this is definitely something that I felt like meeting you and Connor and the guys at, at um, the Boeing Design Festivals. I just felt like the, the little girl really that didn't really know what the hell was going on. When actually I know the work that I do is good. I just don't be intimidated by the amount of likes you get on something. Don't let that judge your self-worth. So I, I suppose that's a bit of like business and kind of social media advice, but design advice to surround yourself 
with people and things that inspire you keep practicing keep going and don't afraid to be shit and don't be afraid to share that it's shit either um, and i could do that more on social media so that yeah those are the big ones for me that's a, that's a huge 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 point um when when you go to the conferences and stuff and meet actual designers that have got a like hundred thousand followers even like connor he's got twenty thousand that's ten times mm. what i've got and yeah you meet them all and, and they're all just the same level they're all normal people they're all yeah. like it just puts it all into perspective and you don't like it suddenly something clicks and you're not scared of talking to them anymore um, absolutely yeah definitely <laughs> what's your best purchase under 100 pounds jesus Christ, that's deep um <laughs> you wait to the next question yes jesus christ my best purchase under 100 pounds oh my god Okay, this is probably the most feminine and girly answer that I've ever said. I'm a bit disgusted that I think this. But um, recently I've bought the most amazing shampoo, um, <laughs> which is called Weller Elements. And I have really frizzy, like really big curly hair. Um, and I've spent an inordinate, it's 24 quid, which is a lot of money for shampoo. But it has revolutionised my hair life. So... That is probably the world's shittest answer to that question, but it's the thing recently that's made my life so much better. Um, yeah, that is that. Oh, and and let's keep it design and um, this mechanical pencil actually from Muji, which is just a HB. It just looks so sexy, and it was only something like five quid. Um, they're really really good actually. I've got one kicking around somewhere. But they're really of course, you've got one, Mark. You have all of the cool stuff. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so like something little that just makes my life like, a little bit better and happier, like shampoo and a nice pencil. I'm sorted. Yeah, they're, they're weighted as well to one end. It makes it like because like, of the metals at the bottom of the pencil. Oh yeah, that's true. I've not even thought about that. Right. I, don't know, I just, yeah. I just they look really smart for the money. They're great. Yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. Like a pencil that should be forty-five quid. I feel like because um, it's weighted at one end, like you've got a sort of a better. I don't know, like a better curve on it. Well, when you when you're writing and drawing with it, I feel yeah. like it's a bit smoother. It do, it does help me like draw better circles and straighter lines because I can, um, kind of weight it out easier. Yeah. So yeah, they're my two best purchases under hundred pounds: twenty four quid shampoo and a five quid pencil. Okay. Cheap. <laughs> Finally, uh, and the last question I ask everyone as well: How do you want to be remembered? How do I want to be remembered? Yeah, like, uh, yeah. <laughs> Fucking hell, Mark. I'm not going to murder me after this, are you? <laughs> um, oh, God, that's actually a hard question. How do I want to be remembered? As somebody that screwed up royally, but learnt from it and made themselves a better person and helped other people believe that they could be better people too awesome nice. yeah awesome. that's how i'd like to be remembered i think lovely uh where can lovely. People... thanks <laughs> where can people find you and say hello and, and chat to you on, on the internet um they can chat to me at um at nifty fox creative on basically every social media platform ever instagram twitter dribble behance um my website is niftyfoxcreative.com um and don't be afraid to send me a message if you can make me laugh that's probably best and i will almost definitely respond um but that's where people can find me 
Brilliant. Thanks very much for being on the podcast. Thanks, Mark. It's been awesome. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Creative Waffle Podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it. I really loved hearing that Laura's story and how she recovered from her illnesses. Having that strength to get through that is incredible. Go and check out Nifty Fox on social media. Her work is amazing. And if you did enjoy the episode, leave a comment, share with a friend, and just let me know what you thought of it. Thank you very much for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode.